As I was watching the funeral this past week, uh, this past Friday, of Billy Graham, and what a great man that he was, I had an opportunity on two different occasions to work in a crusade with Dr. Graham and got to meet him personally and got to uh, pray with him and what a great opportunity that was for me and something that I will always will cherish and remember. But as I was thinking about Billy Graham, my mind immediately began to think about another man that you possibly have never heard of. His name is John Hyde. John Hyde was a son of a Presbyterian minister. And he became a missionary in India. John Hyde was what was known as a man that never sleep. That's what those people in India thought of John Hyde, because he prayed all the time. He was a man of prayer. In fact, in 1908, the story goes and tells us that there he was serving in India as a missionary, and at Calcutta, he prayed something that people could hardly believe. He prayed that they would be a soul saved in India every day of the week and of the year. The following year, the reports came that over 400 people had come to know the Lord as their Savior. Then he prayed at that convention that they would double, that they would see over 800 people come to know the Lord as their Savior the following year. People could hardly believe that because there in India, it was, uh, uh, the Christianity was very, very slow as far as being accepted. But there in 1910, come to find out, there was over 850 people had come to know the Lord as their Savior. Then he prayed at that convention that four times that amount that people would come to know the Lord as their Savior. And the Bible, I mean, and the uh, story goes on to say that uh, that if there was at least not four or the five people being saved every single day that he would have this overwhelming burden and he would pray all night long that God would bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He was known as the praying missionary. I thought, wow, what a man. What a man of God. You probably never heard of him before. But by the time that he died, there was literally a revival that began to take place sweeping across India of the, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another man in the Bible that we're going to talk about today. His name is Epaphras. Epaphras was also a praying man. You may have never heard of him before, 
But he is one of the characters that we are studying as we have been looking at different characters in the Bible. And what I've tried to do is pick out some men and women that you have never heard of before and to see what God did in their life. Epaphras was also a praying man. He was known as the great prayer warrior of the Colossians. So with your Bibles open, I want us to look at Epaphras, and I want us to see of this great man. Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 12. Three different times the Bible speaks of Epaphras, and it speaks of him of being the great guy and man of God that he was. He was from Colossae. He was the pastor of the Colossian church. In fact, some have said that uh, he was the founder of the Colossian church. He was the one that planted that church with the gospel. So we're going to look at Epaphras today. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's word? Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras. Who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God? Father, thank you for such great, great men that you have blessed us with. Men of God, thank you, dear Lord, for John Hyde, that great missionary there in India. Thank you for Billy Graham, for what a great man of God he was as he spoke and preached the gospel all around the world. Thank you for Epaphras. What a man of God He truly was. And how we can learn from him to be able to be that child of God you've called us to be. Father, I pray that your anointing would be upon us today. May the feeling of your Holy Spirit be upon our lives that we will hear the Word and that the Word will convict and challenge and certainly compel us to be all that You've called us to be for the glory and for the honor of Jesus Christ. May the preaching of Your Word bring that very thing to His name. For we ask it in His name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The name Epaphras means lovely. No doubt his name meant that he was a man that was encouraging. He was a pastor. He was a pastor to the church at Colossae. And he was the one that prayed for these people to become great men of God. And as I said, you may have never heard of his name before. 
Maybe possibly you've read it and didn't really know much about it. In fact, as I went back and checked the commentaries, there's not a whole lot that is said about him. But the thing that was said over and over and over again was what a great pastor he was. So it brings encouragement to me. I guess this sermon is uh, pointing to me as much as it is to anybody as the pastor of your church, that I would like to be a man like Epaphras, who loved his people, and he was faithful in preaching the Word of God. I want us to look at several things as we think about Epaphras today. And I want you to notice of these characteristics about him. First of all, you began to notice that he was a man that preached faithfully. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, As you also learn from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ. Paul, when he spoke of Ephesus, he spoke with an affectionate way. He said, that dear man... That man of God, that man who was known as a fellow servant. Immediately, I began to think about the life of the Apostle Paul. And what a great servant the Apostle Paul was. He's probably no doubt the greatest Christian who have ever lived. Other than the Lord Jesus Christ, probably one of the greatest men that have ever lived. And so when I think about Paul referring to another man as a fellow servant, I think of a one, as the Bible refers to, as a bond slave. One that has placed himself under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of someone that who has submitted his life totally, mind, body, and spirit, Totally submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so he refers to him as one that is well loved by the Apostle Paul. But one that is known as a fellow servant. In other words, one that is of the same master. And so as I look at Ephesus, I see a man that who was filled with the Holy Spirit. A man that was committed and dedicated to the calling of God upon his life. There as he planted that church in Colossae. There as he began to teach them and to preach to them the things of God. You began to notice that Paul not only taught to us about a fellow servant, but he said that he was a faithful minister, faithful. I believe that is one of the greatest, greatest compliments could be said of any man, but especially to a pastor, that he's faithful. That he's faithful to the Word of God. That he's faithful to the congregation. That he's faithful to the people that he has been called to. The word minister is an interesting term. It literally means running an errand. 
You go back and you begin to see in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible talks about that it says that then the twelve will summon the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And the word serve literally is the same term as minister. That you are serving. As I look at Ephesus, every single day, Every single week as he stood before his people, he was faithfully in serving a meal of the Word of God to the congregation that he was preaching to. My friend, as you think about this, immediately you classify him as a faithful pastor. A faithful pastor. In the opening verses of Colossians chapter 1, Verse 3, you'll see where Paul gives thanks for the Colossians. And then in verse 4, he begins to talk about as he has heard their faith, and he says, I pray for your faith, and I pray that you will grow and continue to become all that God has called you to become. And then he says something that I think is so interesting. Look what he says in verse 5. Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you had heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Well, what was he talking about? He was talking about that Ephesus was a man that preached the gospel. My friend, he was one that was faithful in sharing the good news of the Word of God. I am shocked and surprised of the number of preachers today that will preach anything but the gospel. We've got people that will stand in the pulpits today and they'll give you a lecture of the book of reports. They will give you reports of the world's situations and things of that nature and the current events. But I believe that God has called the pastor to be faithful in taking the Word of God week in and week out, preaching the good news of the gospel. Because, friend, that's the only thing that's going to change people's lives. And Ephesus was a faithful pastor. His congregation knew that when he stood up, he was going to say, thus saith the word of God. My friend, there's power in the scripture. And that's why I believe in expository preaching and taking the word of God and dividing it and laboring over it and sharing the precious nuggets of the word of God to your congregation. He was faithful in preaching the gospel. So these Colossians had become Christians. They'd become saved. And they became saved because of the faithfulness of this dear pastor. But then he went on a step further and it says, of what you have learned. That word learn literally could be um, spoken of as being discipled. He not only preached the gospel, 
but he preached the word of God to disciple his people. That they would grow in nurture and that they would grow in wisdom and they would grow in knowledge of the word of God. My friend, it's amazing how important it is for a pastor to stand up faithfully preaching the word of God. If I was not a preacher and I was not a pastor, but I was a church member, I would not sit more than one time under a man that did not hold up the word of God and say, thus saith the Lord. It's amazing to me when people begin to search for a church and you ask them, what are you looking for? They will say, well, we're looking for a good youth program. And that's important. We're looking good. We're looking for a good music program. That's important. Well, we're looking for a good children's program. Now, that's important. But my friend, the most important thing is the preaching of that church. That is the most important thing. That's the reason, and I've said it before, and I say it again. The pulpit is in the center of the congregation. Saying that the word, that the word is the center of everything that we do and that we are about in this church. And so therefore, he was a faithful, faithful pastor. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Paul was speaking to Timothy and he was sharing with them the importance of the pastor and of the preacher. And he says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Who labor. In other words, that is taking the scriptures and, and digging and dividing and bringing forth the truths of the word of God. And he is saying that a pastor, that is his responsibility. I want to be a faithful pastor. I want to be faithful to you. And I want to be able to stand before my Lord one day. And knowing good and well that everything that I say and everything that I do, I'm going to have to give an account for that. And I want to be faithful. I want and I long to hear the Lord say from his lips, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But not only was he a faithful pastor, but he was a fruitful pastor. The word Ephesus had so faithfully preached there at Colossae. The Bible says that they bore fruit in the life of those believers. That they bore fruit. It seems to me that So many churches today are more interested in drawing a crowd than they are of building a congregation. My friend, I want you to understand that so many churches today and so many pastors today have sacrificed standards and convictions in order to make churches acceptable 
for anybody and everybody. Now, when I say that, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe the gospel is for anybody and everybody. But I also believe there are convictions on the word of God that the church must stand. And they must stand strong upon those words. When the church begins to start saying that we accept anyone, saying, in other words, that homosexuals uh, have a right to have participation as far as leaderships in the church, my friend, it goes against the conviction of the Word of God. And there is a standard that I believe that the church must stand and take. And sometimes it is a not, it's not a popular stand. But the only way that people will grow faithfully is by the Word of God. A faithful preacher. I remember hearing A.W. Tozer, uh, as he, as I was reading one of his, uh, sermons. And A.W. Tozer was talking about that we have so many performers instead of preachers in our pulpits today. And he makes this statement. I want you to read it along with me. He says, I've done everything I can to keep performers out of my pulpit. We do not think we are called to recognize performers. We are confident that our Lord never meant for the Christian church to provide a kind of religious stage where performers proudly take their bows, seeking human recognition for themselves. I say amen to that. That this is not a time for performing. But it's a time for proclaiming and sharing the word of God. So, Ephraphus was a man that was a faithful, faithful preacher. But secondly, I want you to notice, he was a man who preached firmly. The Bible says in Philemon, in uh, chapter 1, verse 23, Ephraphus, my fellow prisoner In Christ Jesus. Paul not only speaks of Ephraphus as a fellow servant, but he speaks of him as a fellow prisoner. As I was checking some commentaries, and some commentaries have a difference of opinion. Some says that Ephraphus was never a prisoner. But I think it's interesting that Paul refers to him as a prisoner. He was a man that had been thrown into prison. And I believe that that immediately begins to remind us that he was not a fair-weather Christian. He was not a fair-weather preacher. But my friend, he was one that was willing to lay his life on the altar, no matter what the cost. And so Ephraphus, he had his stand for Christ. Oh, I'm grateful for a man that will stand and be a, a, a man that would be willing to go to prison if it meant to be for the cause of Christ. Adam Clark, speaking about Ephesus being a prisoner. 
It says, sometimes or other, he had suffered imprisonment for the truth of the gospel. And on that account, Paul might, in a general way, call him his fellow prisoner. In other words, it's saying to me that when Paul was in prison, that this man was also was in prison with him as well. Matthew Poole makes this statement. He was a fellow prisoner with Paul, either in the same place or upon the same account. Wherever he was, I believe he was in prison. Now, I want you to understand, he didn't go to prison for writing bad checks. He didn't go to prison for stealing an automobile. He went to prison for preaching the gospel. Can you imagine the price that he paid? Most Christians are ready to raise the white flag when the first time there is an altercation against them. But Ephesus was a man that was willing to go to prison. He made his sacrifice for Christ. In the New Unger's Bible Dictionary, it says, Martyologies make Ephesus to have been the first bishop of Colossae and to have suffered martyrdom there. In other words, he not only went to prison, but he even died for his faith. A.W. Tozer said this, By one act of consecration of our total selves to God, we can make every subsequent act express that consecration. You know what that tells me? It challenges me, and it challenged my consecration of how I am with the Lord. Oh, it's easy to stand up here and preach when people say amen, but it's another thing when there are people that will challenge what you're having to say, even to the point of arresting you and placing you in prison even to the point of for possibly coming to that point of placing your life on the altar. The ultimate sacrifice of Ephesus called for an examination of the sincerity of the commitment of Christ in my life and the Christ that's in your life. How about your commitment? I remember hearing a story about a man by the name of J. Alexander Clark. Reverend Clark was a missionary in Africa. One particular day he came upon this African, this African native, and that that native had been attacked by a lion by the help of Alexander Clark, he was able to rescue this guy. He was almost at the point of death, but he rescued him from the jaws of that lion. For three months, he had taken that native and he began to nurse him and bring him back to health. After he got well enough, the African left that village 
And several weeks later, he comes back. He comes back with his six wives. He comes back with his children. He comes back with a cow. And this is what he said to Mr. Clark. He says, you know the law of the African forest. That the redeemed belongs to the redeemer. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I'm yours, and here are my six wives and my children and my cattle. Do with me as you will. Oh my. When I thought, when I read that, I thought, The law of Calvary's cross is that the redeemed belongs to the Redeemer. You stop and think about it. You and I both were in the jaws of death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that Christ Himself nourished us, rescued us, redeemed us. And my friend, the law of the gospel is that we come before Him today and say, what's mine is yours. I place myself under your submission. Oh, my friend. But you know, I talked to you about at the beginning of how John Hyde was such a praying man. I think the thing that speaks of Ephesus the most was that he was a man of prayer. Thirdly, I want you to see, he was a man who prayed fervently. We read in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Ephesus who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring, listen to this, fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Paul is reminding the Christians at Colossae, He is saying, I have spent a media night with Ephesus there in the dungeon, there in the prison cell. And I've heard him pray. And I've heard him pray for you. I've heard him pray specifically. And he says, how it has blessed my heart. Can you imagine? You get to know somebody pretty good when you're in a prison cell with them. And there was Paul. And he was so impressed by this man that he wrote the Colossians a letter and telling them what he had experienced. Four things, the way Paul expressed this man of prayer. He says he prayed persistently. He said he prayed always. Not occasionally, but that he prayed 
always. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. How about you? How about me? Uh, Am I a man of prayer persistently? Or do I pray occasionally? Do I pray when it's convenient? Do I pray when only when I am in need? You ask that same question to yourself. And I tell you what, conviction will come into your heart just like it does in mine. I wished I was a man that was more persistent in prayer. And that is something that God is working on in my life. That I will pray more persistently. And that I will be a man of prayer. I hear people say, I wished I had time to pray. Friend, you have time for whatever you want to do. You take the time. But he not only prayed persistently, but he prayed personally. I like that. He says he prayed for you. See how personal that is? If you'll stop and examine your prayers, if you're not careful, you'll find that most of your prayers is praying for yourself. For me and my house. Me and my needs. But Paul says Ephesus was a man that prayed for you personally. He said, I heard him call the names out of that congregation. And I heard him pray, Lord, that you will develop him and grow him and mature him to become the man that he is, that you would have him to be rather. Oh my, Ephesus. Ephesus was a man that had his mind and his heart on other people. How often do you pray for other people? And you call their names out and for the Lord to hear that name. But he also prayed particularly. The Bible says in that scripture, it says, and may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In other words, he's calling these names out. Being very definite, very specific, being very particular with his prayers. I'm afraid that so much of our prayers is in a generality way. Lord, bless our family. Lord, bless so and so. I believe that God wants us to be specific and call out that prayer specifically about one another. Andrew Mary made a statement that I think is so good. He says, our prayers must not be a vague appeal to His mercy, an infinite cry for blessing, but the distinct expression of definite need. A definite need. Oh, how true. 
But then he prayed passionately. Passionately. Oh, when he prayed, you could just feel the power of God upon his life. When he preached, you could feel the anointing that was upon his life. The Bible says, Paul says there in verse 13, always laboring fervently, for I bear him witness that he had a great zeal for you and those who are Laodicea. Perhaps this was the secret of his prayer life. Is that when he came before the Lord, he got in contact with God. When he came before the Lord, the Lord's presence was known. Not prayed occasionally or casually, but he prayed passionately. James chapter 5, verse 16. A verse of scripture that I memorized early in my ministry when it came to the importance of prayer. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'm reminded what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer says, this is a great deal of praying being done among us that does not amount to anything. Lord, help us. I believe if we learn to be men and women of prayer, It could change our church, our community, our lives, our own homes the way that God would want us to be. I do not know the faith of J. Edgar Hoover, the former director of the FBI. I don't know whether he was a Christian or whether he wasn't. I don't know. But he made a statement one time about prayer. I thought, my, what a statement. Listen to what, the, what he said. He said, the spectacle of a nation praying is more awe-inspiring than the explosion of an atomic bomb. The force of prayer is greater than any possible combination of man-made or man-controlled powers. Because prayer is man's greatest means of tapping the infinite resources of God. Listen to this. Invoking by prayer the mercy and might of God is our most efficacious means of guaranteeing peace and securing for the harassed and helpless people of the earth. Now, I don't know about J. Edgar Hoover if he was a man of prayer, but boy, I tell you what, that sounds like a coming from a man of prayer. I want to ask you today, and I challenge myself today, as I look at Ephesus, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to the calling 
that God has called me to be. I want to be consecrated in a manner that my life, my all has been given to Him, even if it costs me everything that I have and all that I am. Would you join with me with that prayer? I want to be a man who prays passionately, who prays persistently, who prays personally. I want to be a man that the Bible says in James chapter 5, of that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But of course, before that can ever take place, you're here today and you never know, have never come to know Christ as your Savior. Ephesus would say, hey listen, before you can go to second base, you must go to first base, and that is accepting Christ as your Savior. Accepting Him as your Lord. And once that takes place, oh, how it changes your life. And you're willing to follow Him in baptism. And then you move on to third base where you begin to grow and mature and develop of what God had called you to become. And all the blessings of God's Holy Spirit would befall upon you. And then one day you'll be able to come home to home play to glory in heaven and hear someone say from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ as he would speak, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lord Jesus, thank you for Ephesus. Thank you for the man that he was. Thank you for allowing us to just take a small glimpse of his life and to see of how he was such a man of God. Help us, dear Lord, to become men and women of God. Lord, not just by word, but by action. May we be a church like the church of Colossae. Lord, to grow in faith, and develop and to mature in the great knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit of God have His way during this invitation. May you move among us and do great and mighty things. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.